is my fault. And also, I've got a little slide presentation. We can get that going on the book of John. Let's see if I can. While they're uh, getting the book of John teed up there, um, just a few quick thoughts of good morning, everybody, by the way. Good rainy morning. We need the rain. Um, thank y'all. A few quick thoughts on the book of Luke before we get going. Um, I think last week I may have kind of left the impression that Luke was converted in the book of in the uh, in Acts ver uh, chapter eleven. Uh, that's not true. Uh, I wanted to re recount that and change change what I said there. I didn't mean to make that uh, uh, assertion there. We don't know that. Um, we don't know exactly when he was converted, but he was not an original apostle, and uh, he was converted sometime because he did some of the traveling with Paul and and Barnabas, and uh, you know. So we know that, but we we don't know exactly when he was converted. So I wanted to. Go back and correct that. Uh, also, kind of made an, a, a comment about there's certain religions that don't believe in the virgin birth, birth of Christ. And what I found about that was there's a group uh, of the Mormons, the James Strain, Strangites, that do not believe in the virgin birth of Christ. They believe in just the, just God. They don't think Jesus was actually uh, the Son of God, and they don't believe in the full Trinity. And also there's several progressive groups of Christians uh, that don't believe in that. So we don't, we don't want, usually when you see the word progression, progressive is not a good thing. So, uh, so we'll leave it at that, and I apologize for any of misunderstandings or any uh, misconceptions there. So we'll move on into John. John. Our, the book of John is named after and attributed to the Apostle John. There is much internal and external evidence to support that the Apostle John wrote this book and it's never been seriously contested so we won't dwell too much about uh, who, who actually wrote that. So we'll get into a little bit about John. We have a lot of things that we know about him from the scriptures. Among those things is he was a son of a wealthy fisherman. Uh, he, well, that's in Mark 1.20. His brother's name was James, and that's in Matthew 4. He was part of the inner circle of Jesus. Well, what was that? That was Peter, James, and John uh, who had you know, a lot more intimate discussions with Jesus than maybe some of the other apostles. He was very zealous, impatient, and intolerant. We find that in Luke 9, 54. Mary uh, in, in, was entrusted to his care. You know, Jesus said, Behold thy mother, and uh, you know, told Mary, Behold thy son. So that was, uh, you know, he was not 
of course, the, the son of Mary, but he was entrusted to take care of Mary after the crucifixion and death of Jesus. Work with Peter in Jerusalem in Acts chapter 3. We also know that he was the apostle or the um, disciple that Jesus loved. We see that in John chapter 21. Um, we know some more things about, um, about John from Polycarp, who was one of the early leader, uh, leaders in the church, and he also wrote. Now, this was, um, this was not in the Bible, of course, about Polycarp, but we know that uh, he lived in Ephesus in 70 A.D., he wrote the Gospel of John that we're about to study and three epistles in the 80s AD. He was exiled to Patmos around 94 AD and he wrote the book of Revelation around 96 and that he died probably back in Ephesus around the book, uh, around AD 100. So those are, those are some things we know about John um, going back over the purpose of the Gospels again, we know that Matthew uh, tried to prove that Jesus is the Jewish Messiah, that he is the king. And we know that Mark and Luke uh, tried to say, tell us that Jesus is the redeemer of all. And they were written to, Mark was to the Romans and Luke was to the Gentiles. We studied extensively about Luke last week. But John, his gospel, is trying to prove that Jesus really is the Son of God and to tell more about his divine and man nature. Um, we will get into this a little bit uh, uh, as we go, but John was not a synoptic gospel. It did not go over a lot of the same miracles that were gone over in the first three books. And it had some unique um, happenings in it that didn't occur in the other uh, gospels also. And it was supposedly written later on after genealogies had faded away, after um, you know, it wasn't as important to know what your Jewish background was and that sort of thing. So there's no, it doesn't catalog uh, Jesus' uh, birth or any of that kind of thing because uh, that kind of thing had been lost in AD 70 during the destruction of the temple. And so they didn't have those genealogies anymore anyway. The big problem that was going on at this particular time in the 80s was Gnosticism, and we'll study a little more about that, but Gnosticism basically said that Jesus can't be divine because he's a, he was a human being. So that had gotten to be a big problem, and there's other books that touch, touch on that also. Um, so what is the purpose of the book of John? Um, well, it's actually laid out in scriptures in the book of John. In John 20, 30 and 31, it says, therefore many other signs Jesus also performed in the presence of the disciples, which are not written in the book, but these have been written so that you may believe 
that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that believing you may have life in his name. <clears throat> so <clears throat> what, is it, what is the purpose of it? Well, it's to prove the deity of Christ, that Jesus did all these miracles. He did all these, uh, there were all these things that point to belief that, that you should believe in him for being who he said he was. So what are the themes of the book of John? Jesus is both man and he's God, that you can be a man and also be the son of God. Uh, the development of belief, uh, belief in him, there's different individuals who began to believe in Christ. Those are developed, those stories are developed throughout this book. And there's the development of disbelief. Uh, it just lays it, it lays it out and says, well, there's, these people believe, but these people walked away. They didn't ever believe. Um, you know, this, this may be some redundancy in studying this, this book here. Uh, I don't know how many of y'all remember, but I guess it, I kind of remember when it was, but I think about three or four years ago, we did a, a kind of a chapter by chapter study of the book of John in here. And uh, so, you know, you may recall a lot of these things from that study, but uh, we, we studied about how they, you know, they had, uh, you know, the, the feeding of the 5,000 and how many people walked away in disbelief. They did not believe that Jesus really was uh, the Son of God. They just got their, their fill of food. And, you know, there's the discourse there where, you know, uh, will you also walk away, you know, the apostles and all that. Um, how that you got to live, man lives by, not only by, you know, bread as far as eating, but also the, the bread of God, you know, the bread uh, um, by, by spiritual food. So you might recall some of that from uh, that study. So we're gonna go through the prologue, which is the first part of John, and then we'll just do uh, a little bit of an overview for the rest of the, uh, of the uh, class. So we'll start with the prologue. Jesus is the Son of God. Um, <clears throat> he shows how Jesus has been around since the creation and even part was part of the creation of the universe. Goes on to show how uh, he left heaven and came to the earthly realm. And we see that in Genesis 1.26, how he was a part of the original creation there. Uh, the second thing is there's proof through his ministry, and this goes uh, 1.19 through chapter 12, verse 50. The reaction of belief and disbelief, as we talked about earlier. There's miracles, there's seven signs in the book of um, John that are discussed. And he goes through and, you know, one by one tells about these miracles that are not, you know, uh, in the other synoptic gospels. I, mean, uh, I think all of them. Uh, I'm pretty sure it was all of them that, that were not in the other books. So 
proof through the death and the resurrection of Jesus in 13 through 21, which is the last uh, chapter of John, the reaction of the belief and the disbelief. He depicts both believers and non-believers to insert the reader into the story as having to make a choice. You can't be on the sidelines. You can't be on the fence. You gotta either believe that Jesus was the Son of God or don't believe it. And it shows both kinds in this book, both kinds of people. Um, very important word in the prologue or in the book of John is the word and logos, which is a classical Greek word. And it talks about, um, he begins, begins by telling that Jesus came in human form and he differs from the other three gospels by trying to prove that he is both human and God. Logos, the word logos to a Jew meant that this was a revelation from God and you better listen to it. To a Greek, it meant that you could, you need, it was kind of a reasoning or a power or a force and that would appeal to them also because they like things to be appealing to action things and that kind of thing. Uh, Jesus would, rep would represent a happy and balanced life. So Jesus is the word or the logos or the force. So this, was, uh, this got their attention, so to speak. Um, in the beginning, this is cut in John 1.1, this refers to the time before creation, that the, the dimension that existed before space-time con continuum that we, that, that we live in and was created. You know, it's hard to believe, and we can't grasp our mind around it, but time has not always been. That we, don't, we were not there, but God, Jesus, and the Holy Ghost, uh, they all lived when there wasn't any time. There wasn't any uh, space. There wasn't any of this uh, uh, around. So God created that. And this is talking about when that happened. You know, it's a, it goes back to Genesis 1.1. It talks about in the beginning. So John is trying to develop that Jesus was a part of Genesis 1 and a part of his gospel. He was there. He was a part of all that. So he takes the reader back to that. Uh, was the word. The word is a title for Jesus. The Jews would see revelation from God and the Gentiles would read force and power. John uses word for Jesus and because what you say is a reflection of what is in your heart and mind. The opening title for Jesus, for Jesus describes him as the perfect expression of the mind of God in human form. Um, and the word was with God. That's John 1, 1 still. This is not a power coming from God as in a created thing or an attribute of God. No, Jesus as a person coexisted with God and on an equal basis with God. In other words, when God speaks, 
And the power is realized that Jesus is what is said and he is what is expressed. Uh, and the word was God, John 1, 1. The word was God and God was the word. John was a devout Jew who would never say, and the word was a God. In other words, you know, the Je Jehovah Witnesses claim in their New World Translation that, you know, Jesus, this was a God. You know, they don't uh, put emphasis on Jesus either. Uh, this would violate his monotheistic, monotheistic belief. To him, this would be idolatry. So, and so in the first verse, John asks and answers the basic questions. Uh, what is, who is, who is the Word? Well, God is the Word. Why is the Word God? It is eternal before time. It coexists with God, so his nature is divine. John shows that Logos, the Word, was much deeper than what the Jews and Gentiles thought. Um, some of this is pretty deep. I got the, a lot of this from Brother uh, Miles Alago, uh, uh, um, uh, who is out the Choctaw Church of Christ out in Oklahoma, and Mike Mazalago, and he, he really kind of breaks this down to where, you know, uh, the real reason why this book was written. Uh, back up here. All right. He was in the beginning with God. There's almost a mathematical equation here for those of you who like uh, math. Um, if A equal God, then B is the Word. If B is the word, then C is Jesus. That means that A, God, equals C, Jesus. I mean, that's how intertwined they are. It's hard for us to grasp, our, grasp this because, you know, our minds are, you know, his ways are much higher than our, our ways. But um, we're, we're talking about the Trinity, which is God, Jesus, and the Holy Spirit but they're all equal. Uh, and you know, this is what John was trying to get across to these people, that even though Jesus was hidden in the Old Testament, he is, uh, he's, he's apparent now, he's, he's there before you, so you better listen to what he says. And uh, he is divine. He did come in the flesh and he is divine. Um, all things came in, came into being through him. And apart from him, nothing came into being that was, had come into being in verse three. So Jesus, nothing was done without Jesus. The Jews attributed the creation to the power of God. Uh, let there be light in Genesis one, three. God literally spoke the creation into existence and the Gentiles also saw the power of the force as the agent of creation. In verse 4 and 5, in him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in darkness, and the darkness did not comprehend it. So we see that God is the Word in eternity. The Word is Jesus creating the universe, and Jesus is the life bringing light into the world. Um, in verse seven, six and seven, it says, there came a man sent from God 
whose name was John. He came as a witness to testify about the light so that all might believe through him. So we see in these verses that we shift and start talking about uh, the, you know, John the Baptist. He will later describe John's work and connection to Jesus, but at some point, at this point, he summarizes John's purpose. He was a witness and according to the scripture to prepare the way for the coming of the light and the truth. So we know that John was prophesied in the Old Testament. I think it's both Isaiah and Malachi <clears throat> both prophesied uh, prophesied about uh, John coming says that he was the light uh, not the light but he was not the light but he came to testify about the light in verse 8 so the majority of John's ministry was to alert the people that the Messiah was coming and in the end after he baptized Jesus he began to directly point to the Lord as the one who would come with his death, most of the disciples began to follow Jesus. Uh, in 9 and 10, there was the true light which comes into the world and lightens every man. He was in the world, and the world was made through him, and the world did not know him. And that's 9 and 10. John reviews and expands on what he has mentioned briefly in verse 5, and he makes three major points, and makes these points. He brought... He brought with him and, and within him the capability of, to bring every person into the knowledge of the truth. Even with his ability, the world which he created, it rejected him. He came to his own and those who were his own did not receive him. You know, the people, uh, the Jews that he had especially blessed were refused him. These were God's own chosen people. Um, John makes three points about Christ. He brings people to the truth, the world will reject him, and the Jews did not accept him. You know, it, it, it baffles me to see these Jews that did not accept Christ, uh, that the Jews now are looking for like a third temple and the kingdom to come and all of these things. Well, they never accepted Christ to begin with. So... Uh, uh, you know, it just uh, baffles me to think about, uh, you know, uh, how they think they've got it all figured out that there's going to be another temple and there's, you know, there's going to be all these other things happen that are not true uh, when they didn't accept Jesus to begin with. A lot of them didn't. So verse 12 and 13, but as many as received him, he gave the right to become children of God even those who believe in his name, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, but nor of the will of man, but of God. So this is kind of the gospel in a capsule in these two uh, verses here. Does not explain everything in detail, but rather gives a bird's eye view of what Jesus did accomplish with, with, with some. For those who received or believed in Jesus, he transformed them into spiritual beings, not created by normal productive means, but produced by the will of God. Um, verse 14, and the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and he, he, we saw his glory, glory as of the only begotten from the Father, full of grace and truth. 
So the Word became flesh and in, in, is incarn, incarnation from God. The Word to Word and Jesus to Jesus and man to Jesus equal God and man. In a few words, John proclaimed that Almighty God uh, took on a human body. So we kind of get a, this kind of gets a little complicated here, but he's talking about that God and the Word, which is Jesus, became the Word Jesus, and that Jesus, man, became Jesus equal God and man. So he's trying to get across to these people that yes, you can be divine as well as a human. And um, uh, um, so we'll move on to 15 here. John testified about him and cried, cried out saying, this was he of whom I, I said, he who comes after me has a higher rank than I, for he existed before me. The gospel writer John that we're discussing here goes back to his discussion of John the Baptist. John the Baptist, even, even though he was born before Christ, that Christ existed before him. So John the Baptist is trying to get this across to him too. Christ existed prior to him, and John mentioned that rejecting Jesus is going to be a fatal mistake. So they were trying to tell these Jews, even back then, that they don't need to be rejecting Christ, but they went on and did it anyway. For of his fullness we have received, and, and grace upon grace. You know, Jesus is the Word, and the Word is divine. For this reason, the Word is completely full. Uh, you can, cannot exhaust the supply of truth and grace coming from the Word, Jesus, or God, just and God, just like you cannot use the supply of oxygen by breathing it in, in the open air. You cannot exhaust the amount of grace and truth that Jesus, the Word, and God has towards sinners who breathe in God's grace and truth through faith in Christ Jesus. Um, 17, for the law was given through Moses, grace and truth, and it was realized through Christ. You know, Moses uh, never saw, uh, only, he only saw the back of God through the cleft of the rock. But what John was trying to say to these people was that you're seeing Christ in the flesh. You're getting to see the Lord. So you better listen to what he has to say. And... Uh, I can, it wouldn't it, it's just amazing to think about living back in this time to actually see Jesus in the flesh. But uh, no one, verse 18, no one has seen God at any time. The only begotten God, begotten God who is in the bosom of the Father, he has explained him. So we, we talked about Moses right then. Uh, kind of got ahead of myself right there. The three witnesses, John the Baptist, his witness was the preaching. Uh, John begins his gospel by explaining the fact that he is, with his own eyes, he has experienced God taking on a human nature. You know, John the apostle saw Christ in order to give man an intimate experience and knowledge of himself. Since we cannot transfer to heaven, Jesus came to us. 
that's kind of a deep thing to get your wrap your mind around. But, you know, so we couldn't all go up to heaven and Jesus be around Jesus and see how he would live his life. He came down here and did it among us. Um, the uh, Jesus was another witness, and he did that through miracles and teaching. Um, and then John, the apostle, was an eyewitness of you know Jesus. So he was another uh, another testimony of who Jesus really was. Um, a lot of information to try to pack into one class, but uh, see if I can't do it. All right. Um, so there's three braids of John's gospel. Why do we use the word braids? Well, when we were in Jamaica, I think uh, Paul and Susan were down there. I was with them in, I think, 95. Um, these, uh, we went to Ocho Rios one day and, which is a little town in Jamaica when we were down there trying to spread the gospel. And some of the people uh, in the village there would try to make money and they'd try to braid your hair. And a lot of times they wouldn't even ask you. So, uh, you know, I think uh, the, the, the Mazalago uses braid there. I think he had an analogy there. But there's three braids of John's gospel and it's like braids of hair or maybe cords of a, of a rope or whatever. What are they? There's the presence of Jesus, the God-man, the reactions of belief, the reactions of disbelief. Those are the three main themes that are going on in the book of John's gospel. So they just continuously come in and out of that all through the, all through the book and we see that um, either you're going to believe in Jesus or you're not going to believe in it. And also that uh, Jesus was the Son of God and he was a man doing everyday things among the people. So why do we, why do we think that this was the way it was written? Well, it was written to see if people... It's trying to say they, there were everyday people that were in Jesus' time who believed or disbelieved, one or the other. You couldn't be uh, sit on the fence. You had to either believe or not believe. And that Jesus truly was the Son of God and that he was a man. So in the remaining time, a few minutes here, I want to go through some other things that happened in the book of John that's kind of unique. Uh, there are seven I am statements in the book of John. I am the bread of life in 635. Uh, I am the light of the world in 812. I am the gate of the sheep in 107. I am the, a good shepherd in 1011. I am the resurrection and the life. That's in 1125. And uh, I am the way, the truth, and the life in 14.6. I am the true vine, 15 verse 1. You know, um, these are unique to the book of John. So these I am statements. Um, we could talk about those and have classes on each one, really. But this is an overview of the book of John. That's all we're doing here. Uh, there's seven 
signs in the book of John. Uh, water to wine, grape juice, what uh, there. Uh, healing nobleman's son, the healing of the paralytic, uh, the feeding of the 5,000, the walking on the water, and the healing of the blind man. Uh, there's seven, there's several, not seven, there's several unique happenings and miracles there in the book of John. There's the marriage of Cana that we just discussed, the first cleansing of the temple. You know, the other three gospels only talk about they're not talking about the first cleansing here. They're talking about uh, the last one before his crucifixion or during the last week of his life. This one discusses uh, the first cleansing of the temple in chapter 2. There's a discourse with Nicodemus uh, where we get the famous you know, verse of th John 3.16. Uh, For God so loved the world, gave his only begotten son that uh, who shall ever believe in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. We get that there. Woman at the well in chapter 4, uh, that, that's, uh, that would appeal to, uh, you know, Gentiles there. Healing at the pool of Beth uh, Bethesda and the healing of the man at the pool of Siloam. Also the raising of Lazarus, that's unique to the book of John. So in the four minutes I got left, I'm going to do a quick summary of each chapter. We'll go through that, and we may have a time for some questions. Um, so chapter one is the Word becomes flesh. We went all the way through that. Uh, chapter two is the wedding at Cana. Nicodemus and John the Baptist in chapter three. The woman at the well and the official son that was healed in four the healing at the pool of Bethesda, the feeding of the 5,000, and the walking on the water in five and six, the feast of booths, division over Christ, and the adulterous woman in uh, chapter seven. Anybody remember what the feast of booths was since we got a little minute or two here? That's right. It was a feast of booths. That's in Numbers uh, 29, if you want to read about it, to commemorate the uh, 40 years that they were in the wilderness. And they, as Julie said, that they were in the booths there. You know, God uh, had a lot of these feasts and everything as memorial feasts so that we, you would remember what happened uh, you know, and so that you would remember that he's the one who got you out of a lot of bad situations. And of course, we have our feast that we observe every Lord's Day here. So uh, parallels, a lot of parallels in the Old Testament and the New Testament. So we'll go to the other next four, the next seven chapters. Jesus teaches in eight. He heals a man born blind at the pool of Siloam in nine. He's the good shepherd in 10. He's the, uh, the death and the resurrection of Lazarus in 11. The anointing of Jesus at Bethany and he teaches and his triumph for entry in 12. Uh, 
Jesus washes the disciples' feet in 13. He's the way, the truth, and the life in 14. In 15, he is the true vine. In 16, he warns and teaches his disciples. In 17, he prays for himself and the unity of the church that's to come. Uh, in 17, betrayal and rest, trials, denials by Peter. In 18, uh, 19, Jesus is sentenced and crucified and buried in 19, and he's resurrected, and the, and the purpose of his gospel is in 20. Uh, Jesus has breakfast with the apostles and restores Peter, uh, uh, who has repented in 21. And that's uh, the book of John. Has anybody got any comments while we got, we don't have much time, but anyway. I know that's a lot to absorb in 45 minutes. Well, I appreciate your attention, and I believe Brother Sam has got the book of Acts next Sunday. Good Lord willing.